You're listening to Podcast BXN, a video game podcast delivering player experience news. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 122. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, aka Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined over Discord by the Nintendo aficionado, Roshan at Roro, the host of Large Popcorn and video essayist, Christian Macias at ISO Christian, and one half of the Men and Gitch podcast, Gage, at Gilbo Biggins. Gage, you threw me off there, but I, that works. I mean, welcome, everyone. This is a crazy show. My it's back still hurts from shoveling show. snow. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. You want, you want to start with that? God, I understand. And, and my, our area got a lovely... Uh, lovely. Up to, up to two and a half feet of snow in some places. That's oh, God. Meanwhile, I got a little dusting. Yeah. A friend of mine, Jackson, fellow Canadian, well, fellow Canadian to you guys, I'm not a Canadian, uh, (laughs) sent me a picture of him shoveling snow, and it was taller than him. And he's, I guess, in U.S. He's like 5'9", 5'10". So it was like, yeah, it was six feet of snow. That's insane. (laughs) It's a lot. Oh, gosh. Thank you to everyone watching us live and participating in the chat. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. Just search Podcast PXN, twitch.tv slash Podcast PXN, and Twitter as well. The topic of the show this week, guys, is Microsoft's big acquisition of Activision. But first, the show always starts with the PXN news of the week. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Guys, we'll start with the quick bites, and here we go. God of War 2018 has launched to great acclaim on PC. Uh, Very, very exciting news for God of War. Uh, And obviously, uh, both Sony Santa Monica and the uh, studio that helped them uh, get this out, I can't remember their name, it's escaping me right now, but uh, they did a fantastic job with the port, seems to be going over well, uh, and yeah, very cool news. That, that was like one of my favorite games of last generation, so I'm very excited that PC players finally get to experience this. And the rumor is that there are uh, like many more uh, PlayStation games coming to PC uh, later this year, like, like a lot of them. So I'm very, very excited to see what's coming next. Ghost better be, better be next. Mm. Yes, agreed. Uh, n- our next quick bite, guys. Rainbow Six Extraction. This just came in just minutes before the show. I saw these starting to drop. Uh, have reviews starting to hit. Um, it is kind of average scores thus far. Uh, I read a little bit of IGN's review before the uh, podcast started, and um, they're they're kind of you know they're happy about the. the differentiating factor for this game it's not necessarily a uh, traditional rainbow six game so it's kind of a a unique flair um and they do cite how difficult the game is the game is not like your typical you know difficulty so it's a it's a it's a lot harder to play and uh some people that may have played it might you know attest to that um there's people probably out there that have played it i don't know maybe (laughs) uh but yeah uh rainbow six extraction there you go this is out. This is out tomorrow. I am very excited to, to play. I, I love the Rainbow Games. Uh, people that are in my spaces on Twitter like have been really enjoying it. The people that have been able to preview it, like I, I I'm so looking forward to just like a, a communicative shooter that just like feels good to play with like a nice challenge. Uh, and so like thank God for Game Pass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Don't even have to buy it. 
mm-hmm. guys, our next story is obviously a Halo story because here I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Halo Infinite Shop, uh, their store essentially where you're purchasing items, uh, making the game free to play, uh, has addressed their issues uh, for the most part. Uh, they've lowered their prices by about 50%. Uh, they've they've started to pull things out of packs, uh, and they're going to continue to do this over time uh, to kind of let you buy individually what you want instead of making you buy these big packs of items that cost more money. Um, so some good changes there. There's also a new game mode called Attrition, which is a very interesting interesting mode. Uh, you can revive your, your teammates. It, right now there it's way too quick like the matches are like five minutes because you only get six lives um six additional lives per team so like once you spend those six lives then it's the 4v4 left so uh once each spartan dies at that point they can be revived so uh you run up and revive your teammate and you can p- pick them right back up uh and it's very interesting, like cat and mouse game. It's very, very difficult to play without like friends because uh, it requires a lot of communication. Um, but it's very interesting and possibly hinting at a future, you know, battle royale experience. Possibly because revive functionality, mm. um, maybe with Forge down the line. Um, and also, they put out a hot fix that was supposed to fix big team battle. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it didn't quite fix it. Uh, so Brian Gerard, uh, who's the community manager for three three four three, says, "Well, damn, today's B- BTB hot fix does not appear to be the outcome we expected. There are minor improvements, but overall matchmaking issues are still occurring. Thanks to the folks who have been working hard, and we're sorry that this didn't quite get the job done. Work continues." So it does suck that this didn't uh, completely fix the big team battle issue. Uh, obviously, it's been going on for over a month now, uh, which it sucks, the timing of it with you know the holidays and everything. Um, but I am appreciative that they're working on it, but like they've definitely got to get this you know fixed in a relatively short order. So, yeah. Okay. I'm introducing a new micro segment okay. where I asked Dan a question about Halo. Uh, I'm now calling it Inside Master Chief. Um, I like it. So Dan, yes, Dan, Dan you you mentioned uh, in that all that that the the picking up a, of teammates, like reviving them, could be hinting at a possible battle royale. How soon do you see uh, a, a three four three uh, introducing a battle royale into uh, Infinite? Do you see that like by the end of this year? Uh, no, no, I don't think like officially no, but like Forge, I definitely think that people are going to make stuff that will, you know, remind you of Battle Royale because obviously with this revive functionality built into the game when Forge launches, I'm sure people will have the ability to do that. I guess the only issue would be player count because you're limited to 12v12 right now with big team battle. I don't know if possibly that gets increased um, with Forge, mm-hmm. but uh yeah uh, officially i no i don't think so not this year okay thank you this has been inside master chief (laughs) that kind of sounds a little weird inside master that's why yeah that's why it's definitely intentional (laughs) (laughs) Uh, our next quick bite, Game Pass has officially hit 25 million subscribers. Um, and also, I put a little note that Hitman Trilogy is headed to Game Pass, which is awesome. Uh, all three Hitman games. And actually, 
by you know just by circumstance of all three games being included you're actually getting all three games in hitman 3's engine which is phenomenal uh it's the best way to play for sure um so yeah that's really cool uh i think game pass being 25 million is a pretty big deal uh they were at 18 million just one year ago so increased by 7 million in a year that's a pretty phenomenal growth uh for xbox there so 25 okay i have something to add here as well sorry yeah. 25 million is a lot yes. and it's continuing to grow more so now with the topic of the show that we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> i'm sure uh but th- for those of you that don't maybe have xbox game pass and this is this was introduced last october but my friend just saw it recently out in the wild like for, like for the first time um xbox uh, and trolley had partnered up um, trolley gummy worms, of course. If you are out in the store and you see some trolley gummy worms, <laughs> the sour ones, uh, inside there's a little thing that gets you a month of Game Pass. So if you're looking to eat some gummy worms and try it out, there you go. You like gummy Those worms? commercials freak me out. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you like gummy worms and the Xbox? There you go. Heck yeah. All right. Our next quick bite, guys. Dying Light 2. Uh, is apparently guaranteed to have five years of post-launch support. Pretty insane. Uh, obviously, this comes on the back of them, you know, initially saying 500 hours of, of gameplay in Dying Light 2, which they kind of, you know, backed off a little bit because they were like, no, well, let's break it down why, you know, the different things and everything. But uh, five years of post-launch support is pretty fantastic, like, in this day and age. Like, if this happens, it's pretty, like great for for the studio to do this i will say like they did really good uh after game support for the original dying light like dying light what is it called uh the following following. i think yep the following okay yes the following that was like well regarded that was an expansion like three years after the original came out i think um so i mean i could believe them when they say this I would I would expect something similar to happen with Dying Light One, where you get one, maybe two, like actual meaty uh, expansions, and then the rest will probably be something similar to Dying Light One, where it's just weapon packs and stuff like that. I really don't think we're going to get five years of proper DLC. I think mm-hmm. what happened with Dying Light One is more realistic. You're going to get one or two really big DLCs, you know, one to three years after the game comes out, and then years four and five will be like we've added a new outfit, we've added a new weapon. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to hear for sure. Absolutely. Uh, moving into our final quick bite, guys. Cuphead, uh, the the show is officially debuting February eighteenth on Netflix, and it looks pretty dang great. And actually, sounds really great too. Like the voice acting is very good in it as well. Like uh it really reminds you of like those classic cartoons. Like, are you guys excited? I'm so excited for this yes it does if anybody really wants cool. to cuddle and watch this together let me know <laughs> but yeah i love cuphead and like i was i'm so happy the animation looks fantastic i was a little bit worried but like i don't i don't know why i doubted it yeah it looks so great yes very yes. much so and that's at iso christian on tinder everyone uh, <laughs> moving into the, the news here, uh, PS3 games have appeared on the PlayStation 5 store. Uh, I thought this was interesting, and I think this has come up before, but I couldn't quite remember, so I was, I was just like, we'll put it in here again. But um, 
I just wanted to know, do you guys think that this is kind of a signal for uh, Sony working on, obviously, their next code name uh, for their PS Now successor is Spartacus, I think. Like, is this going to be indicative of what we're going to see from that? Or do you think this is just like, you know, a weird thing that it popped up in the store? Because there was people online saying, like, this has happened before many times over the years. Um, I'm reading from Mm -hmm. someone on Twitter. uh, And it's pulling the price from when PS Now lets you to pay to rent games individually. Um, and they, they even have like little PS now icons on what this dude had posted, but, uh, I don't know. Do do you guys think that we will, uh, see some PS3 action on this new service? Dude, that is, that is so hard because the PlayStation store is notorious for being buggy. Like there's always some kind of issue with it. So when I first saw this, I I got my hopes up. I'm not gonna lie because it feels like the dominoes are lining up, especially with like all the news and like the rumors surrounding Spartacus, but yeah, like if you look at the past, it, it, it is exactly that. It seems like it's it's some kind of of, of bug. I would love to be wrong. Don't get me don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, it it seems like it's some kind of uh, back coding error. As far as like I'm aware, I'm not sure if PlayStation has even figured out how to get PS3 games onto onto these systems. I know like because of the cell processor of the PS3, like doing that is just like so hard that like they really haven't figured it out. Um, I, I think they could if they spent like the money and resources, but I just I don't think it's a priority for them. Uh, again, my hope would be that they do make it a priority and that, that we do get like this like extensive library like how Xbox has. But yeah, I, I just don't see it happening. Would love to be wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm in, a, in a similar boat as well, where I, I think this is just a a mistake, a, a slip of the the wrist or something. They they just messed up with something. Something on the on the back end just slipped up, and we're seeing some PlayStation Now games in the store for some reason. Um, but I, yeah, I would love them to follow suit with Xbox's backwards compatibility. I think even recently they they announced a couple more. I think earlier today or yesterday, but some like they had a sale with ID and Xbox or something like that with uh, some backwards compatible games. And there was a whole list of great like Xbox 360 games for dirt cheap uh, that I've never heard of, some that I had heard of, but I, I just think it's so cool that they, those are just available for you to play if you want to. So I would, again, uh, just piggybacking off of Christian, I would love them to to kind of follow suit in that regard and have those those games available. Probably be a lot harder than we all think it, it would be, but I, I, would, I would love them to, to eventually get to that point as Xbox has. Yeah, I, I think this is probably not related to Spartacus, but I think Spartacus will add PS3 backwards compatibility. Oh. I do I do think... <laughs> well, I, it is one of those things where the cell processor is causing them a lot of problems, but the but the fact remains is that people who aren't Sony have done it. Like, there is already PS3 mm. emulation, so it can be done. It's just, I think the reason it hasn't is that Jim Ryan's made it very clear that uh, he does not think that past games are a priority. But the last two years, the fan base has spoken and really they've kind of reversed some steps in terms of taking down certain storefronts, uh, whether it be for uh, the Vita or anything like that. Um, I, I think Spartacus will add it. You'll probably have to pay for it, like that leak that happened where they were talking about the tier system. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we will see PS3 backwards compatibility. However, I think this is probably just not related. I think this is just a bug because it has happened so many times in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you guys. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it is a little bit of both, like you're saying, Gage, uh, a little bit of a bug on their end, but also maybe, maybe something in the future. 
Moving on to our next story, guys. A new report has officially revealed the high salaries of video game CEOs. Uh, obviously, this wasn't terribly surprising to read as a headline, but then like digging into it, I'm just like, oh, this is making me sick reading this. Like, uh, So apparently uh, the top prize, which I guess you can call it a prize, uh, <laughs> this is weirdly, <laughs> weirdly uh, written there, uh, but the prize goes to Robert and Tackle. I probably butchered that, but who cares? Who's uh, <laughs> the CEO of Israel-based Playtika, which makes free-to-play mobile games? So basically, this dude uh, his his company, you know, predator predators uh, little children to buy a bunch of you know microtransactions, and he gets a ton of money for it. But anyways, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely insane that he made 372 million in total compensation. Uh, Bobby Kotick brought in 154.6 million, another piece of shit out there. Uh, sorry. The first guy I don't know is a piece of shit. I shouldn't say that, but Bobby Kotick, hundred <laughs> percent. We know, we know about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Andrew Wilson from EA made 34.7 million. Uh, Zynga's Frank Gibu uh, made 32 million. Take Two's CEO Strauss Zelnick brought in 18 million, which that one surprised me. Take Two just purchased Zynga, meaning Take Two is mm. a larger company than them, yet their company, Zynga's company, is paying their CEO more than Take Two. I was like, how does that make sense? I don't understand that one. But yeah, uh, there's other notable names in here as well. Uh, it, the list goes on. Uh, Yves Gamode just getting under a million, which that, that was a little surprising. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't even know what I wanted to say about this story, guys. <laughs> but like, the, it's just surprising that like these people are just making massive amounts of money, especially the ones at the top of this list that just don't seem to care about anything but that money that they're getting. Here's what I'll say. It's, it's time to unionize. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> and even even if not unionization, you'd think that one of these companies would have the idea where it's like, let's, like, if, if say I'm the CEO, for example, I'm surprised that none of these massive companies have thought, what if I cap my wages yeah. and mm -hmm. give the access to all of my developers and have the highest paid game developers in the industry and everybody wants to come work here? Yeah. What would happen to our games? What would happen to the quality? And it's, that's yeah. And that's important, Cage, because it's like in my opinion, like I agree, like you set a cap on what the, the CEO can make. If you don't reach that cap, then you know, they'll just get paid whatever, you know, they get paid. But right. Like, if they go over that cap, like, why would you not invest that back in your company and your employees? Like, give that money to your employees that made that fantastic product that made you make all of that money. Like, they are the ones that deserve it. They're the ones making the game. Like, Exactly. Yes, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, they... They need better, you know, ways to compensate the developers that work their asses off and, you know, come in and work these crazy hours nonstop to make these video games as good as they possibly can be. And they really don't get, you know, much reward for it, except for the ones at the top, of course. But like, it, yeah, it's, well, it's crazy because like you said, Bobby Kotick, one hundred and fifty million dollars for the year. That's an insane amount of that's an unfathomable amount of money. Like. Yeah. If even if I was the CEO of an extremely successful company, I'm like, do I need more than a million dollars a year? Do I even need a million dollars a year? Probably not. 
But like you'd think you'd you'd set some cap somewhere, and then even if even if Bobby Kotick only took 120 million, and that 30 million was distributed amongst his employees for like raises or anything like that, like that would go a long way. And again, maybe your employees would be happier, and maybe that you'd see that in the work. But it's crazy to me that nobody's thought to to try that yet. So yeah, yeah, super unfortunate. Absolutely. Um, I'm just depressed now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're depressed, Christian, but have we got some good news? Oh, wait, that's more depressing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Our last news story, Bobby Kotick. Uh, you may have heard of him. We may have talked about him a few times. Uh, Who? Yeah. <laughs> he, he was apparently suggesting that they were going, Activision Blizzard was going to buy Kotaku and PC Gamer to change the public narrative of Activision. <sighs> You know, oh, no. instead of actually addressing the issue, what the fuck? I, I don't. Bobby, no. I don't even understand <laughs> that. Like, Best apparently, strategies uh, happened before. It's it's been done before. That's true. I mean, this is what this is like when Jeff Bezos bought the Wall Street Journal and this was is like, exactly yeah, what I was hard, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I wonder why these articles are coming back. And then you yeah. see you see the collages on Twitter of people like after he's purchased uh, Wall Street, all the suddenly pro wealth, yeah. pro yeah, all yeah. these articles that. Here's why the tax wealth is actually not a good thing. Like, yeah, okay. sure. <laughs> Here's why you making no money is actually good for the country. Yes, it's. I don't. Yeah, I I just can't even comprehend this story. Like you have people clamoring for you to be fired, and your best idea is to come to the company and say, "Let's <laughs> buy a bunch of journalists so that we can make me look a little better." Except the problem oh is, God. Bobby Kotaku is one of the worst fucking outlets right now in terms of like they produce so much garbage. In my opinion, this is just my opinion right now, but uh, it, like that's not even a good fucking publication. Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, Quality of the writing aside, which I actually agree with you, Dan, why would it's funny that they would go after Kotaku, which if I were to take a wild guess, the majority of their writers probably don't like Bobby Kotick. Yes. So it'd be, yeah. it'd be really interesting to see, like, did he think that plan was going to work? Maybe that's why it's scrapped. Somebody said to him, like, hey, Bobby, everyone there fucking hates you. You can't do this. <laughs> It's not what? gonna work. Like, everybody loves me. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. What yeah. an insane article to come out this week, by the way. Like of all right. weeks. Absolutely. I love to him that's the easiest solution. Like he can't change the culture of his company. He's like, let me just buy all the people saying negative things. Like, yeah. mm, I could be a better person or I could just manipulate the media. Obviously, that's, I gotta manipulate the media. Yeah. That's, that's what 150 only... million dollars will do to you. I guess that's that's <laughs> oh my what god. Happens. So, and then on top of this, as we'll talk about here in the topic of the show in a little bit uh, in terms of the acquisition, but apparently uh, as a result of Activision Blizzard's stock dropping nearly 15% after the sexual harassment and workplace abuse um, had been coming out uh, about, you know, Activision and Bobby Kotick, uh, Bloomberg were reporting that that it had prompted Phil Spencer to approach Bobby Kotick with an offer to acquire the company. But Bobby Kotick actually didn't want initially to, to do the deal with Phil and went out to other suitors like uh, Facebook and Meta, I guess you could call them, uh, for, for a deal, which I, I don't see how Facebook would have been a good acquisition at all because that would have 
probably fix none of the issues at Activision, and we would have probably gotten a bunch of uh, quest exclusives from Activision. Like, it would have literally just made things worse, I think, than, than well, it, better. There's a difference between good for them and good for us. It would have been right. absolutely good for them because Facebook yeah, is true. just as bad as Activision, where they would be like, yeah, keep pumping out your products, keep doing this, keep doing that. Um, but it absolutely would have been bad for us, for sure. Yeah. So, guys, that's the news. But before we get into the games we were playing, or what you got for me, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> we will uh, give a little update on the Fantasy Critic uh, draft Ooh, that we, we did. This guy. <laughs> and I was looking at the list here. Nobody bid on any games this week, so I got did, awarded did all. Show up? Do what? Oh, you're talking about last week that ended this Sunday. Yes, yes, because okay, it, yes. it does it every Saturday, I think. It, it like finalizes yeah, i have current bids right now yes okay yes 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 why would i be bidding on these games dan wait what what are your current bids gage <laughs> i'm not telling you <laughs> i'm just kidding christian you should always be bidding i don't know uh but so I, I looked and nobody had any games added except for me so i'll just go real quick and tell you the games that i added and how much i added them for uh tiny tina's wonderlands which is out in about i think two months and i bid one dollar <laughs> i got it uh dying light 2 stay human also out very soon i bid one dollar uh <laughs> kirby kirby in the forgotten land are, are we seeing a trend here one dollar uh which i feel like that's gonna be a phenomenal deal there for me it is god damn it <laughs> and then i was doing some real deep research and i know nothing about this franchise whatsoever but i looked up a good pick. yes i looked up scores on uh open critic and total war warhammer 3 because the first two games both got i think 86s or 87s on open critic and i'm like that's an easy win one dollar boom Four more games. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Dan's, Dan's playing the short game. We're playing the long the game. Long We're waiting game. to see these, these big right. releases come. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, true. Thank you, <laughs> That's true. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm going to lose, but I mean, that's why I'm playing the long game, because I can't just throw out all my, my money now. I have I have some a lot of grounds <laughs> to recover. I'm just I still can't believe you counterpicked Sifu. Me neither. Mm. Me neither. I don't know what else I was going to pick, guys. Yeah. yeah. It was like Sifu. I mean, when I saw, when I was going to, after we talked about it, I was going to, I should have picked Redfall maybe. No, you shouldn't have. But God, I'm, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. I can't wait. Sifu was a bad pick. Sifu looks really good. But yeah. I also can't wait to stick it to all of you. I'm telling you right now, Redfall is going to come out and it's going to slap. What do you mean? I didn't say that. No, I'm just I'm just naturally antagonistic towards you, Dan. I apologize. <laughs> what? You mean Brandon? Brandon yeah, Brandon. Yeah. Brandon. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I will yeah. say I'm in other fantasy critic leagues this year, and in one of them, no one picked up Breath of the Wild too. So I, I got that in, in my bid. Just shh, it's I gotta wait till this weekend for two dollars. Oh. I bid on it just in case How? someone put one dollar. I, I want the two dollar. How? How did no one? None of us believed it was coming out. I still don't either, but no. just in case it does, <laughs> well, I get it for $2. I don't believe half my games are coming out, but I still, put, <laughs> I still put them on my list, but here we go. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. What you got for me? Christian, let's start with you. Do, you got a, a little update on, uh, you know, Large Popcorn, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, you want me to plug that? 
Yeah, I do a movie. I do a movie podcast every other Tuesday now, uh, starting this year. I started up a movie club where we watch movies together, like fan voted. Uh, first movie is Thirst, directed by Park Chan Wook, and we released some merch. One of those merch designed by none other than uh, co-host here, Roshan. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Yes. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Great shirt. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Ro, for for doing that. No problem. Other than that. Been playing some Dark Souls three in anticipation of uh, Elden Ring coming out. Game slaps. Game slaps. That's all I have to say. Okay. You get the gist. Okay. More Dark Souls. Okay. Gage, what you got for me? I've been playing a little bit of Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two remastered. Um, one of the earliest games, might be the first game I actually have memories playing. I I absolutely love Tony Hawk's Pro Skater two. It's in my top ten. Absolutely love it. Bang and soundtrack. Good gameplay. Um, I have a question for you guys. I don't mean to stir shit. You know me. I never oh, mean no. to stir shit. <laughs> but Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. If you remember, there's a bunch of levels, right? You start off level 1. You go and you do these two-minute runs. You try and accomplish certain objectives. The run ends. So you restart, and you keep trying, you keep trying. The question I have for you, gentlemen, is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater the first roguelike? <laughs> I'd argue no, because the, the game, like, mechanic, or the mechanics is the same, but the system, like, the level isn't changing. Fair. Fair. Never mind. I, I like where your head's at, though. Um, I've I been like... playing Back for Blood, which is an actual roguelike, and that's good. And just trying to level up and get some good cards. It's still a good time. Um, and last but not least, I have been playing God of War on PC, and it's fantastic. <gasps> oh my good lord. <laughs> Ultra settings, 90 frames per second. That's what I wanted. That's all I've ever wanted. This 90 game. frames? That rocks. Ooh. Yeah, it's good. It's buttery smooth. It's it's, And again, it's another fantastic port. Everyone's praising God of War, but honestly, there hasn't been a miss so far. I haven't played Horizon, so I can't speak to that, but the Days Gone port was fantastic. Uh, the God of War port is fantastic. So they just keep, uh, they just keep getting Ws. And... Uh, I think I have something to, to mention with the, with these ports uh, that's related to our topic of the show, so I'll save that for later. But yeah, playing some Tony Hawk, mm-hmm. playing some God of War, having a good time. Interesting, bro. What you got for me? I unfortunately have not played much this past week. Uh, I wrote I played a couple of master, matches of Smash Bros in here, uh, which I did. I, I played a couple of uh, uh, matches as Sora, undefeated, mind you, destroying these fools out here as Sora. <laughs> Um, so that's what I've been playing, and I wrote that I'm super excited for Pokemon Legends next week, uh, which is going to be after the show, but super excited anyways. So yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been had the chance to play, which is uh, some Smash Bros. in between classes. Heck yeah. yeah. And I have been playing a video game, guys. A video game that I thought that I was going to play a long time ago on the PlayStation 4. And now I started it on oh, the PlayStation no. 5. I know. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this now. I think I do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Last of Us Part yep. 2. <laughs> yep. And wow. here we, yes. I started. Oh, now it. I understand your tweet now, yep. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to the scene. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> and I have thoughts on this, but I'm going to do it in the most spoiler, non spoiler way possible because I don't want to. Uh, provide any spoilers for people uh, even though the game's been out a while but I made it two hours into the game 
got to the proverbial scene that we are talking about. <laughs> and honestly, I was I will get a hundred percent honestly honestly, I went in with no expectations and I was like, I'm going to either just enjoy the heck out of this or I'm going to hate it. And that's the impression that I gave myself way, way back, you know, when I found out things. I got to that scene and I couldn't help but want to shoot myself in the face after playing that scene or watching that scene play out. I hated how they handled that entire scene. I hated that they did it so early in the game. And it was even more impacted by that because I don't have any... I don't have any attachment to the character that is doing the thing that I hate at the point in which it's done. And I just feel like it was done in such a disrespectful way to what I love about the, about the franchise. Like it literally makes me hate everything that they did to the game like the first game was so magical and perfect and i loved it so much and i just feel like they betrayed all of that in my opinion in that specific scene and you know obviously throughout the rest of the game so like i don't know if i'm gonna go back because i literally got to that scene finished the cutscene, and i was like i'm done i'm shutting this off i can't i can't go any further uh but yes i i tried Yes. I, have a, I have a legit take here. Okay. Here's, here's my legit take. Dan, sure. your opinions, first of all, valid. Totally understandable. I, I, I understand where your head's at. That scene in particular, I think, it, I, I think most importantly is purposeful. I think they want you to feel that way. So, like, my, my a- actual answer to you is that you're supposed to be feeling this right now, and you're supposed to go through the rest of the game and see how you end up on the other side. They want you to have like this emotional ride, and this is how they, they want it to start. So you hate it now, but trust me, by, like by the end of it, you'll have similar but different feelings. That's my honest take. If you feel like you, you want to bounce now, I mean, I wouldn't. That, that's fine. That's fair. But yeah. See, if you want, if you want, if you feel like it's disrespectful now, to see it through and see what they're trying to say. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I agree. Um, now, I, I just want to say something out there, because I've heard that, and again, totally, like Christian said, your opinions are valid, and I don't, I don't think uh, people who, dis- who didn't enjoy the game necessarily have ulterior motives. I saw that going around a lot, like dismissing criticism. I don't think that's fair, because I don't think the game is perfect. But what I will say, from that point that I hear is that it happened too early in the game, did it happen too early in the story, though? Because video games inherently take way longer than any other art media to make. So... It did happen really early in this game, but if you look at what this is, which is part two, right? It's supposed to be a continuation of the first game. Did it happen too early in the story of what's happening? My answer is no. I think that it's like if you take everything that's happened in the timeline between those two games, again, knowing that games take five to six years to make and you can't really get them out back to back. I think people had five years to sort of think about The Last of Us and become attached to characters and stuff like that and, and have their own headcanon and all these things. And while I don't agree with certain choices in the game, I do I do echo what Christian was said. I said I would say push through. Um, because while it might not be the story you wanted, it's still a really well written story. And again, the performances and technologically the game is superior to anything that's even come out since. 
So I would say keep playing. That's my suggestion. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. But I try to look at it like that. Like, is it too early in the game? Maybe. Is it too early in the overall story? I don't think so. So my, my other issue is, is I'm not crazy about that character that does the thing. Like, at this point in the game, I'm not... You're I not supposed to be, I don't think. You're not supposed to, okay. yeah. All right. Uh, and the, not now. I, I guess, in, yes, I totally hear what you guys are saying, but, like, my problem is, like, if they had taken me on a journey, and I'm, I'm sure they will take me on this journey after this point in the game, I'm assuming they will anyways, but, like, if they had taken me on a journey with this character that did this thing uh, before this happened... I would understand because I'd be like, okay, I'm seeing the story yeah. of what's happening. You're going to understand, but they're you doing gotta it in a different direction. Yeah. yeah, they're just doing it in the opposite direction. Yeah. So you're I agree gonna, with you, yeah. Dan. I, yeah. I actually think the game would have been better if they did what you're saying. Yeah. However, you'll still get to that point. It's just yeah. they, yeah, they did okay. it in the opposite. I think I agree with that. I think all the marketing for The Last of Us Part Two should have not included the people we already know. Right. Yes. It should have been yes. a bait and switch halfway through the game. I think a lot of people think that. They didn't do that, and it kind of sucks, but I still say, you know, give it a go. Give it a try. It's a fantastic game. Okay. Remember when we thought she was Ellie's mom? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Damn, how times have changed. (laughs) Did the the math ever really check out on that, though? Uh, Probably not, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) There's a scene, Dan, by the way, in, like, the second half of the game. That like legit, this is the closest I've ever come to having a panic attack. That scene is so incredible. Oh, it's so there's, good. There's many for me in that game. I, I mean, you should, oh my yeah. god, Dude, it's like, so good. I understand how you're feeling, Dan. Just to give my quick thoughts real, real quick. I, I don't want to spend too much more time on it if we're moving on. But they, I know how you feel about them feeling like they are disrespecting uh, the character Joel at the beginning. But I do feel like they, they honestly go out of their way as they continue the story to make Joel an awesome guy, and you, and what you love about him. Like you'll you'll get that uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but you'll you'll get your feelings in positive. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right word, but just see it through. I I think you should see it through. I didn't okay. like that character at first, but by the end, I was like, I think I'm one of the few people who well, maybe not on this podcast, but I'm one of the few people who actually enjoyed that character that did the thing to to Joel I did as too. the story went on. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you, you I think I think what Rashad is trying to say is you still have plenty of time to spend with that character that you miss. Yeah. Like th- there's still there's still plenty of of things to see, and it's it's worth it to see those. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll probably Let's do it in burst. It Let's was kind burst. of like a airy like gut like punch when that happened, and that yeah. was part of it. I was like, all right, I have to stop. Like I knew this was coming, but it still it hurt. So. Yeah. Did you get to the? Ha- oh, I don't want to ask. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk about it after the show if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving in to the topic of the show, guys. Microsoft has acquired Activision Blizzard for sixty-eight point seven billion dollars, with the deal set to be finalized in twenty twenty-three. Crazy. Phil Spencer is now Microsoft Gaming CEO. So essentially, they're creating a new position for Phil. Obviously, he was already in the upper ranks of Microsoft, but Microsoft Gaming CEO, now that is his title. Um, Activision Blizzard will report directly to him when the acquisition finishes um, in 2023. 
and Bobby Kotick is apparently going to remain the CEO until the deal is finalized, at which point he will part ways as part of the agreement, which that was a report followed up by the Wall Street Journal, um, which we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. And obviously, he's probably going to get a large sum of money when he gets let go, which also is... Ugh, but Over $200 million. Yes, that's... Ugh. That sucks. Uh, similar to the Bethesda deal, though, they can't talk much about the actual acquisition until it's finalized. So, like, I know a lot of people out there were, like, asking all these questions and, and like, Phil, what's going on? And it's like, this is the same situation as when they were acquiring Bethesda and people were asking all sorts of questions around exclusivity and what games are coming to Game Pass and all these other questions. And Phil's like, I can't really talk about it. We're in the middle of an acquisition. It's not final. Uh, you have to wait th- for it to go through the process. So let's start with... But, but, well, actually, before we sorry, even go yeah. further... Yes. Sorry, Dan. No, you're good. I, I just want us to think about the, the number, $68.7 billion. Yes. Um, let's go back to the Bethesda acquisition. How much did that cost, right? That was $7.5 billion. Yeah. This is for games, uh, huge games like the Elder Scrolls franchise, the Fallout franchise, the Starfield, the upcoming Starfield, Prey, Evil Within, uh, Wolfenstein, Dishonored. More than nine times more for Activision Blizzard. $68.7 billion. That is a lot of money. We thought Bethesda was huge. Yep. Yeah. Like I, I woke up, signed into work, got situated, check. I was like, oh, time to check Twitter. <laughs> and, and my phone is blowing up like, oh my God, Xbox, like Xbox is insane. I sc- doom scrolled for an hour straight. Yeah. It's nuts. I didn't think it was possible. I honestly didn't. I didn't think Bethesda, I didn't think Bethesda acquisition was going to happen either, right? Because you think of, you've got your big three hardware publishers and then you've got your sort of big group of uh, game publishers that are kind of seen as their own equals to those, right? Obviously, some of them aren't. Like, obviously, Ubisoft is nowhere near as, as big as Sony or Xbox. But you have this sort of idea of these standalone giants that are just that. They're standalone. So when the Bethesda thing happened, obviously, it took all of us by surprise. And then this happens, and I don't even know, like, is this even real life anymore? Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy to me, too, because it was just, like, maybe five or six years ago when people were talking about, does Microsoft need Xbox anymore? Is Xbox even going to be around in 10 years? And now it's clear that Phil has gone to Microsoft, has gone to the the big the sort of the higher ups up there, and has made a pitch for why Xbox is important because these acquisitions are clearly laying down a foundation for this company and and, and its importance in the Microsoft sort of umbrella. Like this is insane. Seventy billion dollars is nuts, absolutely nuts. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, not only does Call of Duty sell like 20, 30 million copies year over year, but um, I know from the last couple of years, they've, they've been making billions uh, with their microtransactions, right? So it makes sense, but it's just surprising that Microsoft has this much confidence because, like you said, Christian, $7.5 billion was, it was an unfathomable amount of money. But for Microsoft to say, yeah, Phil, you know what? Here's a check for $70 billion. You buy what you want. You know what I mean? Like, that's nuts. That's nuts. And I think Game Pass is, is what they want. They want to to have this passive revenue coming. So that if they have three or four months without releases, it doesn't matter because look at all the offerings of Game Pass, right? It's it's crazy. We're living crazy crazy times. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um 
Yes, I, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yes. What you were saying, Gage, uh, I totally agree with. Like, Satya Nadella absolutely is, like, the biggest proponent to games compared to, like, Steve Ballmer, who was the previous CEO, mm-hmm. was well-known to not necessarily be very supportive of the Xbox brand. And, of course, he's the one who brought in uh, Don Matrick to lead Xbox, and we all know how that led Xbox to falling in the start of the Xbox One generation. Uh, with Don Matrick saying, if you want an Xbox that does that, Xbox Series is like, no, no, Don, no. Uh, but anyways, yes, uh, I was kind of thinking, like, what are our thoughts on this acquisition as a whole? Like, do we think that this is going to be beneficial moving forward, or do we think it's going to be negative uh, going forward? And, like, there's multiple layers to that. Like, I, it's, the answer is both. Yes, it absolutely is, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess since I started, yeah, the first, I mean, the first things first is like, for me at least, is Bobby Kotick. Immediately it's Bobby Kotick. Like, is he leaving? Luckily, as articles have rolled out, and as Dan has mentioned, um, are already like, as the day progressed and into today, uh, Bobby is looking like he will be leaving once um, this deal finalizes in summer of 2023. Obviously, he's being escorted out gently, not the way I would like it to go. Like, I think this dude should be paying reparations and fines and stuff, but like, him leaving is still the silver lining, right? Um, looking just looking at the game, uh, the gaming leadership team um, after this, uh, comprised of I think fifty percent, if not more, led by women. I think is absolutely incredible. Uh, Phil Spencer, like one of the biggest proponents of inclusivity in the industry, so to have him running Activision Blizzard, I think is going to be awesome, um, especially for the employees. Like that's the big one for me. Is like, are the employees finally going to be happy? So when I think about Activision, I think about all the ways these studios have been sucked into becoming um, Call of Duty supporters. Toys for Bob, right? I think if I remember correctly, they they, came, they were the developers of the newest Crash Bandicoot game, yep. which yep. was critically well acclaimed, very well received. So much so that like, people were thinking that Crash Bandicoot was going to come back for more sequels. And months after, it was like, well, they're going to support Warzone now. Having Microsoft be at the head of this, I think finally allows for, if they want to do it, have developers split off have their teams that to make the games that they finally want to make i think that's going to be like my like most exciting thing about this whole deal yep yeah i i I hope that's what it means because call of duty makes a lot of money and i'm sure microsoft is like a, a definitely a better company to have leading this this group these groups of people in in a lot of different ways but at the end of the game it is a company so i don't know i don't think they're going to be as money hungry and money grubby as Activision is but saying or getting rid of a studio that's working on Call of Duty which makes bank uh will be interesting to see what who they decide to cut loose from that that chain of uh of uh, companies that just work on Call of Duty and who they decide like okay you guys have the freedom to do something a little bit more you or that you're passionate about which I think they will do but it's just interesting to see which ones they choose to do because I still think they're going to have a bunch of people working on Call of Duty because again it yeah. sounds so well but yeah I, I'm, I'm ex- funny. Yeah, yeah that's true yeah yeah I'm just interested to see how like exclusives work in the future like what's overwatch 2 going to be is it going to be on is it going to be multi-platform or not i'm sure we'll talk about that uh as we continue but yeah it's, it's it'll be interesting to see how how games work uh in the future but i agree with christian i just hope the culture uh shifts in a positive way with uh with this uh, I, I, that's the main the main thing that i'm excited about i guess right 
Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely don't spend seventy bu- seventy billion dollars and and you know um, not continue with Call of Duty because that is that is yeah. the big ticket item. I do think though, um, you know, the reason that they've had all these studios on Call of Duty is because Bobby Kotick has made it clear that they want a strict, they want uh, a new box product year after year after year. So what I could see happening with Phil is that maybe he says, let's try, because now more than recently, if you go, if you browse subreddits and look at the community, people more often are saying like, well, can we have a COD that's two years? That's a two-year cycle. That's a three-year cycle in terms of the support for the game. So if Phil comes in and asks the teams and asks the leaders, do you want to do this? Do you, like, let's say hypothetically Modern Warfare 2 that's, um, you know, rumored to come out, almost certainly is coming out. If he goes to them and says, do you guys want to support this game for two years? If so, that frees up one of those supports to you. That frees up Toys for Bob or, or High Noon or, or, or sorry, High Moon, uh, one of those studios. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what Phil does. I hope that that is the direction he goes because people forget a lot of these studios have legacies in games that aren't Call of Duty. Like Treyarch made Amazing Spider-Man 2, one of the yeah. best superhero yeah. games of all time. Right, a lot of these studios have made really great things, and I'm hoping that Phil will go to these studios and say, like, "Hey, if you want to do a COD that's supported for three years, well, that means Treyarch can do something else in the meantime. They can work on something that they want to do. Infinity Ward can experiment with something." I'm hoping. I think we're all hoping that's the reality that we get, but it remains to be seen because, again, this is a lot of money they've spent. So Phil obviously needs to have a plan that he pitched mm. in order to recoup that money. So. I don't think we'll see uh, these games going exclusive, especially games that have a legacy like Call of Duty. Call of Duty is definitely not going ex- uh, exclusive, in my opinion, because um, the majority of the player base is on PlayStation, more than PC and Xbox. So that would be, I think that would be a bit silly to just try and well, get rid of all I that. actually was thinking about this. Is like, Wars, there's no, there's no reason why Warzone is, like, is going to go away. Like, right. I think the answer is that Warzone continues to be like this product that's going to be um iterated upon year after year like despite whether or not call of duties go um like bi-yearly or however they decide to to do that future so like i think warzone is probably the 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 one that is safe on like other hardware on specifically playstation 5 right if that's the case then you can get that fixed there but if you want like the big call of duty like you know the new campaign the the new like triple a shooter having that be behind like an exclusivity of like either either on xbox or on pc like that's a big get that's and huge, I can see yeah. happening as well jesus it is i it's it's a very aggressive move and i don't know i don't know if phil would do it, it, it i guess it's gonna it's gonna depend on what's more important is it the business or is it the optics that xbox for the past six years has been desperately trying to reshape right because they are de- mm. they are going all in on this on this uh console of inclusivity and and um, allowing players, you know, they've been promoting crossplay, all this stuff. I th- honestly think that while they want to get more people on Xbox, the simple fact that uh, Call of Duty will be on Game Pass is already going to get lots of people to flock. That's already an amazing. That's get, true, right? So the exclusivity is like them doing a full measure, whereas I think they're going to start with the half measure. I think they're going to see how many more hard- hardware uh, units they're going to sell. Just simply, hey, if you have Game Pass, you're going to get Call of Duty. You don't have to worry about buying it gonna get it um and maybe with ultimate they throw in oh if you have game pass ultimate you also get the first battle pass for free as well so i can see them doing that i don't know if they'll go straight to 
if anything, maybe campaign is sort of is, is exclusive, but the multiplayer is still huge. And especially when it comes yeah. to Warzone, I think a lot of the, I haven't played Warzone in years, but if I remember correctly, a lot of the stuff in Warzone you have to get by playing multiplayer. So if they did that, like it'd be a very heavy handed move. And I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but it is it is entirely possible. It's it's a huge get for Game Pass, though. So let, let me backtrack real quick, uh, just to say, like, I think it is like your guys, you guys were saying before, like the creativity is absolutely going to increase with the teams uh, and Game Pass is going to allow those teams to make smaller projects like you see it with Grounded with Obsidian and you see it with, you know, Ninja Theories, uh, uh, what's it called? Bleeding Edge. Uh, so like Phil's going to empower those teams to make things that they want to make in addition to, you know, call of duty or whatever else that they're making. So I think that's, that's great news. I think one thing to caution about this is something that me and Gage were talking about yesterday when we were playing is, uh, the fact that right now this is a great move and great for the industry, I think in general, because Phil Spencer is the man at the top. The problem is is Phil Spencer going to always be at the top? No. <laughs> Eventually, mm. Phil's going to be moving on, and who is going to replace him? That's the important key. Like, Microsoft is a company, as you all said, bro. You said it yourself. Like, they are still a company. They're looking to make money and everything. So is that next guy that comes in or, or next woman that comes in to replace Phil are they going to have the same affinity to games and to these studios to allow them to do what they want to do? That's kind of the more important thing. Like they have to continue to make sure that this, uh, this culture and this tradition uh, of these games continues even after Phil's gone, because we all know Phil's awesome, but Phil's not going to be there forever. So. Right. Um, I just want to throw in this. Uh, I said this in that same conversation when we were, when we were playing games the other night, it's, it's it's weird. I feel like this acquisition would be facing much more scrutiny if it wasn't Xbox and if it wasn't Activision. Activision has been going through has been it's it's been exposed as as the hellhole that it is to work there for a lot of these developers. And uh, Phil Spencer specifically in Xbox has you know garnered a lot of positive press and a lot of goodwill. So this acquisition, people are most mostly focusing on the culture and the creativity. But there is the other aspect. There is the the you know the monopoly, the the uh, sort of antitrust uh, aspect. Now I'm not I'm not familiar with any of the legal proceedings and all that, but I do worry when you know I, I'm not a fan of Disney and how they're buying up everything under the sun, and yeah. Microsoft is starting to get to that point. So I think a lot of people are really happy because, like I said, Activision has been awful to its workers, and Xbox has been really great. So Xbox buying Activision, like that's what people are focusing on, but. There is there is some worry here, at least for me, because like like uh, uh, Dan just said, what happens if Phil's replacement is another Don Matrick? What happens then? What if they have all this control on all this IP? Um, do they just you know does somebody decide to just pull everything? Do they say to the all the developers, you know what? No, you're going back to Call of Duty. We're doing it yearly. So while it's really good news right now, it has the potential to be a problem five years from now, six years from now, whenever. Decides to you know hang up his hat. To press that further, even I, I like immediately right. The, the big thing was like, oh man, imagine all these games are the coming to Game Pass. Which for one, like that's great just on that level. But two, like I start to think about that article that came out. Um, Sean laid an interview where he talks about um, whether or not the current Game Pass model is sustainable 
for like big AAA releases. And like whether or not you agree, like that's that's I think those opinions are valid. Like at that time, uh, that sort of changed with the Bethesda acquisition, but certainly now with Activision, the current price model. I don't know if that works anymore. Like I think we're in like I think you're gonna see a price hike in the next yep. after this acquisition, like probably next year, shooting up maybe another five dollars to to even ten dollars because. So they just own too many things for to be that low. I agree. I actually said the same thing to to Dan the other night. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. We had that discussion and like my thing is, is I, I totally agree if their numbers stay the way they are right now. However, like if game pass gets tripled in the next year, like which isn't necessarily unfeasible with all of these acquisitions they've made, if it goes to 75 million people a year from now, that's a lot of money they're getting on a monthly basis just for Game Pass. Like, and the the fact is, is like if that continues to expand, like you're continuously getting that money. Whereas maybe someone buys sixty dollar a sixty dollar game from Microsoft, but maybe they'd buy a sixty dollar Ubisoft game where you don't really get much of that. You only get a small slice of that. Whereas Game Pass is all of their money, and it's a constant revenue source that you know hey, we're getting X amount of money every month because all of these people are paying into a subscription. I, I, I definitely, I think it's going to come down to whether or not Game Pass sees huge growth from all of these acquisitions. I think that's going to be the most important thing to, yeah. to see if uh, if we get that price hike or um, or not. And I don't think it's crazy to think we'll get like a, a you know, a couple dollar game uh, price hike here in the next few years or so. But like, I don't, if they, if that happens and they see ex, uh, expansional growth, like very large growth, I, I don't see them like increasing at a huge amount of money, in, in my opinion. This is going to be insane if the chip shortage, <laughs> if the chip shortage con- continues, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, Sony can't meet the market demand of PS5s. I mean, they still, they can't now. Surely by the holidays, they probably still can't. But then, like, when this deal goes through and to have, like, huge games uh, be available, like your Call of Duties be available uh, with an Xbox, suddenly it's like, that's a no-brainer. You can buy this bundle, you know, with Xbox Series um, S, not even the X, get, uh, you know, a few months of Game Pass for your kid, and they're set to go. Yep. And Microsoft has stopped making Xbox Ones. They're only making next-gen consoles. Sony's still making PS4s. (laughs) They decided to start making more because they couldn't give us PS5s. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think, I don't know, I, I think Game Pass is the ultimate goal because video games historically have always been a gamble because you are you're spending three, four, five years on a project and you don't get that money until you, until you launch, until you ship. And that's why we see things like Cyberpunk happening and all these, you have the people who know the money side of the business, who are in control of the money side of the business, pushing the developers and the artists to release so that they can get their payday. Whereas I think it's very clear that what Phil has pitched to Microsoft and what he has put his stock in is that if we can have that constant revenue, even if it's deemed not profitable or it doesn't sound like like it adds up, it emboldens you to know what your budget's going to be regardless of sales. And this is the thing is that Game Pass, as we all know, as it's been re- widely reported, doesn't necessarily lose out on sales. A lot of people will try the game on Game Pass and still buy it. You have people who um, don't play Game Pass at all or don't buy into it and they still buy the games physically. So you're not necessarily losing those sales. You're just gaining a constant revenue stream. And 
I do think that that will allow them to plan out their budgets and sort of hopefully give smaller teams more money to work with if they know how much money they have in a constant sort of month-to-month basis. Um, now, I do want to bring up what I was going to say about PlayStation is that I think this... Obviously, PlayStation cannot match. They can't They can't make $70 billion uh, acquisitions. They are... No, even they though, even yeah. though they are considered Microsoft's equal in the gaming space, they are a very small company in comparison. Very, very small company uh, compared to Microsoft. I mean, most companies are because it's Microsoft. But I think... What we're going to see here is that Microsoft or Sony might make a small acquisition, but I think this is going to lead to them doing the only thing they can do, which is um, sort of uh, continue on to the PC space. How do you match when your competitor is now getting so much more influx of cash? I think this is we're going to see that PC day one getting closer and closer because now they're realizing shit. We can't really match what they're doing, so how do we get more money with things that we have now? And I think that is releasing your games yeah. to a wider audience. I think that this, if anything, is just going to sort of push PlayStation to go for that day one release on Steam. Maybe they partner with Steam. Maybe they get some sort of you know publisher deal where you know they've got their own spotlight on the Steam page or something. Or maybe they go to Epic Games. Who knows? But I think this is going to make Sony really start to look at... Um, how they can get their games into the hands of more players to sort of counteract this because they obviously can't go out and buy EA. They can't go out and buy these companies and we don't want them to, right? I mean, we don't want this sort of future where, you know, each, each company owns half the games and you have to pick and choose. Nobody wants that. So yeah, I think so. I think we're going to see Sony uh, push for PC day ones um, as soon as the end of this year. Honestly, I, I truly think. Just to piggyback off that real quick uh, as well. I hate that I say that. Piggyback. <laughs> it's coming back from, from grad school. There's, anyway, that's an aside. Um, yeah, the big question was how does Sony respond? And honestly, well, one, they, they still kind of have to, right? And Gage, I think, illustrated it really well with, like, you respond by doubling down on what you already have and what you've already been doing, which is just releasing the games you already own on PC. That's, like, that's a great answer. The second is just, like, they don't really need to buy anything either. Like, they still have, like, their AAA studios that they're, like, making like tons of games right now they're they're doubling down on on vr hardware and i think that's the culture right there now seems to be more like a, a culture of cultivation whereas like the the partnerships that they've had for a while with separate teams they've been slowly like onboarding them to grow their studio like slowly but surely i don't think buying the answer would be the right thing to that would then be like some big response for sony because i don't i don't think that's that's what they're really concerned with so i guess that's I... my take I agree, and, and I'll, I'll just say this one last thing because I know I've been talking way too much. But um, the um, and and Dan might not agree with me, and I got a lot of Xbox friends that don't agree with me. And obviously, I'm an Xbox guy, I'm a PC guy, love Halo. But what we're seeing is still Microsoft trying to match the talent that Sony already has, and I think that's why you're right, Christian, is that they're not concerned with that because, in my personal opinion. Pound for pound, Sony still has way more talented studios than Xbox does. I have yet to play an Xbox game that is like God of War 2018, that's like The Last of Us Part Two, that's you know like Spider-Man PS4. Like they have amazing, <laughs> they have amazing studios. And you're right, they're just going to double down. And I think again, that's why I think the only move they can do is they don't need more talent. They need their talent to be accessible by a wider audience. And that's why I think that's what their move's going to be. It's going to be this new Spartacus. They're going to have some sort of answer to see if that monthly revenue model works for them at their volume. 
And I think you're going to see, hey, you know what? They're buying up all these talented studios. We already have the talented studios. So why don't we release the things that they're making to a wider audience and see if that means way more sales, way more. And PC gamers, um, they're going to also, uh, they're going to miss a lot of the trade-ins and the GameStop stuff because a lot of PC games obviously are digital. So yeah, I just, I, that's what I think. I think Xbox is trying to match the talent that Sony has and they've tried to grow studios and it hasn't really worked. So their answer is to go out and acquire talented studios. And I don't think Sony's really worried because they still feel, and in my personal opinion, is factual that they still have majority of the talent in the gaming space. So your point about Spartacus Gage, that's that's exactly why I think Sony has to do something because for them to have a subscription service, especially if they have different tiers where one of the tiers includes their first party, they have to have content, continuous content that makes people want to subscribe to that. And the That's problem true. the problem is with Sony is they don't have the number of studios. Yes, they have extremely talented developers, but they don't have enough developers to sustain a business model like Game Pass right now because they don't have those studios. Now, yes, they can bring in third parties and everything else to fill that, but like at the end of the day, exclusives will be what drives that subscription, that specific subscription. So I do think it's important for them to do something. I Obviously, they're not going to do something on the scale of Activision because that, I mean, hell, the, acquisi- the acquisition for Activision is literally half of the value of Sony. So, like, right. that that's not feasible for them. So, I, but I do think it's, uh, that's kind of leading me into our next uh, thing that we were going to talk about, uh, which Sony's shares actually fell 7% following this news. So, t- about $20 million it, it fell, which is just insane to me that it, it fell that much. But uh, the important- Why not Nintendo, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But the important thing to me is like Jeff Keighley uh, tweeted out a, a neat little list that um, kind of, you know, combines all of the the current developers slash publishers that are still out there, or I guess big publishers that are still out there that's, you know, are possible options for Sony. And I think this is an intriguing list that Sony should definitely take a look at. Like there's some in here like Capcom, $4.9 billion. Sony could absolutely afford that, and Capcom has been doing very great things lately with the Resident Evil remakes and uh, Monster Hunter and all of their IPs. Like they have so many IPs. Street Fighter, they worked with Sony on Street Fighter Five uh, to be exclusive. So uh, I feel like that would be a great acquisition. Square Enix, which they're also very tight with, five point six billion dollars. They're already tight with Final Fantasy and and everything in that regard for uh, Square Enix. So, like, there's definitely uh, publishers out there that Sony could afford that would definitely in- increase their value proposition for Spartacus whenever that does get uh, announced. But uh, it will be interesting to see, like, what happens. Like, uh, do you guys... What do you guys think is going to happen? Like, do you guys... I know, Christian, you you said that you don't necessarily think that they need to go down that route, but, like... Does that maybe, you know, make you think like maybe they need to do something like, you know, along the lines of no, Insomniac sure. or something like that? Because Insomniac, that was a cheap acquisition. For, for, yeah, a, <laughs> yeah, a steal. Yeah. A steal, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to, to answer your point, because you're right. Um, and yeah, this is a great list, by the way, by Jeff. I think that if, if, if there is an answer, Square is probably the most obvious of, of them all. 
uh, they've, they've had such a, a long relationship going back, you know, to the PS1 that that one feels right, especially with like, you know, the big Final Fantasies being exclusive. I guess, no, that's not true. Seven part one, I guess. Yeah. Seven remake uh, didn't make its way to other consoles. But, you know, I think the, the new one, 15, or 16, will be an exclusive, if I remember correctly. I think. I think so. Console exclusive. I think so. And I don't, I'm not sure if remake made it to Xbox yet. I think no. it's on PC. Yeah, it's, but it's PC not on though, Xbox. Right? Yeah. yeah, okay. It is still console exclusive. Okay, yeah. so that that one I think probably makes sense. And they're Square is constantly releasing games like all year. Not all of them hit, but most of them are like you know beloved darlings. That I think that would make sense for if you're trying to bulk up the you know Spartacus there. Um, and then I think Konami I think would just be just a, a great get because they're not doing anything right now. They're not even making games. They're making pachinko yeah. machines. Like, <laughs> the IP is just sitting there. They've had a long relationship before. That I think if they did acquire them, that would be. I think people would love to see them be in the playstation house because that would mean you know a possible metal gear comeback so yeah yeah i think if of this list i think those two are probably the most obvious ones stuff stuff like konami excites me um square enix 2 makes sense because of the the long relationship they had like you said um it just makes sense for those two to get together but i think we touched upon it earlier that i just don't want stuff like this to happen <laughs> because it does yeah. just like exclude a huge mar- uh, group of people yeah. and obviously that's the whole point of doing it because they want more people on their platforms and stuff like that and i i do think the answer is that's what is kind of what gage was saying is that they don't really need to do anything because they have those awesome exclusives that people are still coming over to playstation to do and i i understand the spartacus uh talk that we were talking about earlier but i don't know if playstation needs to do much different than what they already are doing uh to keep competing with Microsoft. I, I think, and as we talked about, or we, I think we're going to talk about, Activision is still going to be putting out games for PlayStation. It might not be all of their games, but they're still going to be getting some Activision games here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of them, or is it going to be the full game? I don't know. But it, I, I'm sure there needs to be an answer to this, but I don't know, as, you both, as everybody kind of already said, it doesn't have to be as big as buying another company or something like that. But something like Konami... I think is exciting because like you said, they aren't doing anything. So bringing them over and kind of forcing them to do something with their IP would be exciting. And for being exclusive would definitely get a lot of eyes on them. But as I, as I said, I I think a lot of eyes are already on them. I don't think they've really deviated because of Microsoft purchasing Activision in my opinion, but yeah. I think I will say, Oh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) I will say (laughs) And shout out to Emmett Watkins Jr. R.I.P. to all our hopes and dreams of Crash oh, and Spyro no. in the uh, PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, that is uh, that's unfortunate. But maybe they'll make their way to Killer Instinct now. Oh. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, uh, yeah. I think Square Enix is. Uh, so I actually agree with with you. What you said, Dan. I, I wasn't really thinking about the Spartacus aspect, but you're right. They don't. They definitely don't have enough content throughout the year to warrant. Mm-hmm. I think. Or to at least to pitch that to the average consumer, because they really do have two, maybe three big games a year if you're lucky. And is that worth you know the price? So aside from making a push for indies like Xbox has, where they're getting a lot of indies under the service, I think a small acquisition probably maybe is something that's reasonable. I think Square is probably the most logical choice. And then my second choice actually would be Capcom, because... They've already had some pretty close relationships. Like there was a thing that leaked about Resident Evil Village that they had an agreement with Sony that it wouldn't appear on Games Pass or anything like that. And 
Uh, Capcom has been making a push into VR with all the Resident Evil games, as does Sony. Sony is VR, so imagine that's a PSVR exclusive now, similar to how Half-Life Alex is a PC VR exclusive. I think that would make sense because you have all these Resident Evil games, again, getting really good IP uh, under that umbrella and an IP that matches with what they already have. I think Capcom would be a really good choice, and then you can start seeing some Resident Evil VR exclusives on the PSVR 2. And um, even having some studios talk to each other, like Naughty Dog does really good horror, and um, the studios that make uh, Resident Evil, you know what I mean? You could have these studios talking and sharing notes and all that stuff. I think that would be really interesting in terms of IP if they acquired uh, Capcom as well. Yes, yes. Uh, and I want to apologize. I have not kept us on track here. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit here to uh, our next one here. Uh, but Zach Wynn says, good show, fellas. Keep up the solid work. Thanks, Zach. Uh, and of course, Brenty twi- uh, commented very early in the show, fellas, have a good one. Thank you, as always, Brenty. Uh, but guys, I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of a twofold question what do we think the most important? We touched on a little bit of some of this, but I want to go full fledged here. What are the most important IPs you think from this acquisition? Like, what in your eyes, what's the most important to, to their acquisition of Activision? And also, Microsoft obviously is planning gonna, planning on keeping uh, act, some Activision games as multi-platform games coming on PlayStation and everywhere else. What do we think those games are going to be? Like, I'm curious to hear what you guys think, uh, but also, like, my mind, and I know you guys talked about Warzone and separating Warzone and making Warzone, you know, the multi-platform experience and Call of Duty, you know, the single-player campaign and all of that coming to just Xbox... I don't think that will happen because like Call of Duty, the box product still sells so exceptionally well on every platform. Like I don't see that game going exclusive anytime soon. Like maybe somewhere down the line it does. But like as of right now, I do not see anything Call of Duty being exclusive or at least nothing mainline Call of Duty. Maybe they make a like side project or something that that's an exclusive experience. But I don't see those games going exclusive just because they make so much money. Like, like you all said, like Ro, you said that a little bit ago, like it just makes so much money. It doesn't make sense to me personally, but uh, I'm curious as to what else would be still multi-platform. Like I'm just thinking all of the blizzard content, like I don't know if any of that blizzard content is going to make its way to PlayStation. Yes, Overwatch has a history on PlayStation, so maybe Overwatch 2 would still come to PlayStation, and honestly, it may be out before this acquisition even finishes, so that would make sense. Um, but like things like Diablo 4, that's still unknown if that game's even coming out anytime soon. I don't know if that will make its way to PlayStation. There's so many Blizzard properties that are just kind of up in the air. So, like, uh, Ro, do you have any ideas, like, what you think the most important ips are or like what what you think will go multi-platform um i i think i i thought uh call of duty would be a good one as well to to keep multi-platform and pretty much everything else keep to themselves honestly i feel like call of duty is the big one that they would want uh, multiple platforms but i thought the same way when xbox acquired bethesda and i was like there's no way they're going to make elder scrolls exclusive like that's too big of a thing they're gonna have to put that on playstation 2 and no phil's like no we're that's ours we're keeping that and it's gonna be exclusive 
Call of Duty is obviously different, but I do kind of regard them in the same way where they're just such huge titles that I can't imagine them being exclusive to one platform. But as we said with Bethesda, as, as you, Dan, probably said, it's like you don't spend that much money <laughs> to, yeah. to not make things exclusive. So Call, Call of Duty is the one that I think they PlayStation will get. But at the same time, at the back of my head, it's like this has happened before. You've thought this before and then it's become exclusive. Overwatch, I think, is a really good one to have exclusive. I think that would be an awesome Game Pass game. Uh, like the first game mm-hmm. and Overwatch 2 would be awesome to just have day one on Game Pass. Um, and yeah, I think I think the most important one is Call of Duty. Uh, to just If they just bought Activision and the only game they did make was Call of Duty, that would be huge just in, in itself. So I think that's the biggest one uh, for me personally. Big is for for me like weirdly kind of a loaded question. So when I when I when I, when I hear biggest, like I don't always go straight to um, like what makes the most money. Fair. Obviously, we're thinking about in that terms, like Call of Duty is the answer. Uh, everything Blizzard, like that is safe. Like that is no like even if it is multi platform, like uh, even if it's it, because it's under the house of Microsoft now, like that is a monetary revenue stream and a, and a powerhouse of a, of a revenue stream. Uh, but I'm hearing when I'm hearing biggest, it's like like the smaller titles, like the the more beloved ones that like have a place, like the icons, right? Uh, like I, immediately, I'm thinking like the Activision House. Uh, obviously, the big two are, are Crash and Spyro. Like the, if we're getting more games from them, um, and that is an Xbox exclusive, that is like fantastic. Um, that like gives you more room for the uh, the the childhood market as well for like those kind of games. Like it, it, like suddenly you're um, audience is expanding right more kids are playing on xbox because that's where like the crash game is um if you release sekiro 2 oh. uh because that is an activision game suddenly you, ha- you have like from software players who are wanting to get on that and like you gotta you gotta have an xbox to play it or you know pc it does do that um and then of course like your, your more beloved franchises like your, your tony hawks and your guitar heroes like those ips are sitting there now xbox can do like anything they want to do now or I guess Microsoft can do. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I um, I mean, biggest, again, uh, echoing what Christian said, I mean, if you're talking monetary and sort of brand recognition, then it's Call of Duty, definitely. I think Call of Duty will stay multi-platform. And here's the difference between Bethesda and um, making Bethesda titles exclusive and all these Activision titles exclusive is that Again, it, cl- it clashes with their whole brand and their whole sort of um, optics that they've been going for if you suddenly make all these multiplayer games exclusive. But that is one thing because it's, it's, it's Fallout, it's Skyrim, it's Starfield. These are single-player experiences. They're not, you're not locking off communities of friends that have, you know, people that have made friends on other platforms and all this stuff. It's easier to take those games and make them exclusive, I think. So... Yeah. What I want to happen and what might not happen, but what I would like to happen is I'd like to see anything that has a following that is remotely competitive, remotely cross-play, stays multi-platform. I'd love for Overwatch to stay multi-platform. Um, obviously, things like World of Warcraft and StarCraft have to because they are not they don't have a presence on console. Um, Modern Warfare and Warzone, I think, will both, I hope, will both stay multi-platform. And then it's the games that, you know... Um, that aren't multiplayer, they're single player. Those are the ones to snatch up and put on your system. Is that mm. like the Spyros, the Crash Bandicoots, uh, Sekiro was a great pick. I, I totally forgot about that one. Um, and that and that would totally steal a bunch of From Software fans, people that love Bloodborne, people that love, uh, you know, all the Demon Souls games and all that. Um, 
yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the right move in my opinion because if they want to keep that sort of reputation that they've and the goodwill that they've earned with players and all this stuff, taking away uh, Call of Duty from over half of its player base is just it's not it's not going to go over well. It's not going to go over well at all. And I think there's no reason to, especially if you want that revenue, if you want that sales count. Um, because like we said, they're making a lot of money with Game Pass, but that doesn't Game Pass doesn't immediately kill all their box sales. So if they still want their 30 million units sold from Call of Duty, you're going to have to keep it open to other systems. And yeah, I, I, I think it would be a smart move to make your single player games, your your uh, Spyros and your, and your Crash Bandicoots exclusive. And maybe if you ask those studios what they want to work on, Maybe we get, you know, a third-person linear Call of Duty game that's a story game, and it's like a Call of Duty experience, and it's made by Beanox, and that's exclusive to Xbox, whereas the mainline competitive Call of Duty that year still comes to everything. I think there's definitely a middle ground that I hope they find that I think is fair, um, but I'm hoping they don't just take everything and make it a Yeah, fair. What a, what a fun conversation. <laughs> right? Like, I'm not going to lie to you. The weight of this acquisition didn't hit me until today at the gym at like 1.30 when I'm like, when, <laughs> when I was squatting, I was like, no, I was legit. I was like, damn, Xbox really got hands. Like they, they, they did this and like it, it hit me. And so can we get, uh, can I just go ahead and will this t- into existence? Uh, I posted a little bit of this on Twitter, but then now I'm going to expand it. Can we get a Banjo X Spyro X Crash Bandicoot game, please? What, a mascot platformer? I mean, Whose gameplay know. format do you use for the game? <laughs> All of them. That's all exactly. <laughs> what so about good. Spyro in Banjo's backpack? Oh, that's actually. But I love Kazooie. I can't can't kill no, Kazooie. Kazooie's gone now. The the opening cutscene is them murdering Kazooie, and Sp- he yeah. puts Spyro in the backpack. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Here's here's what you do. You bring back DJ Hero. I'm mm. kidding. I, I Christian. DJ Hero was actually awesome. I played this. It was not. I played what? it not awesome. This sucks, dude. What? I played DJ Hero 2. I didn't play the first one, but I loved that game. You're I didn't even there pretending that you're Steve Aoki. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't know anything about turntables or anything, but I fucking love that game. Oh. I can't believe you said that. Man. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, the last thing, guys. Uh, this is kind of an important question. Um, the question is, is this, is this going to be approved by the U.S. government? Because as we've been alluding to, uh, th- there's a lot of you know monopoly laws and antitrust laws and everything that come into play when this kind of thing happens. Uh, obviously, this is no small acquisition. Um, and I le- linked a, a, a story here. Um, it's from a, a dude from Gamma, Gamma Law, sorry, Gamma Law, which is a media and tech-based law firm. Uh, David Hopp, who's there, uh, says this. He says, the acquisition is another example of so-called vertical integration in the video game industry. A console manufacturer acquiring a developer of, of course, this is such a large deal and in the gaming industry, but U.S. courts have historically been unwilling to apply restrictive antitrust principles to vertical transactions. So he definitely likens it to the Bethesda acquisition, obviously on a larger scale, 
but he's essentially saying he doesn't think that this will be, you know, an issue for Microsoft because it's not like they're acquiring PlayStation. They're acquiring, you know, a, a studio underneath uh, a publisher. Yeah. Um, which obviously that, that would sense. be that would be an issue if Microsoft acquired uh, Sony, which they could do. But um, yeah. But yeah, I I guess that makes me answer my question as I guess it will be approved. I don't. Uh, if history, there. if hist- yeah, if history is to be repeated, then yeah, I think I think they'd probably say that it'd be okay. This will go through. Legally, it's not going to run into any pushback. But again, like, do we want a future where Xbox runs PlayStation out of business? I don't think any of us want that. Right? No. So- no, no. I'm I'm definitely like I said at the top of this topic. I'm still worried about the precedent of the sets, and I don't want this weird future where half the games only come to PlayStation and half the games only come to Xbox. And 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 PC players are the only ones who get both. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what about legally, Nintendo? No, not, uh, Nintendo's in, Nintendo's in the backyard playing with mud. It's not in the conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, put some respect on Nintendo, man. Uh, I'll put some respect yeah, on Nintendo you, when Nintendo respects its uh, customers. That is fair. When they respect their own IP. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I I think I'm worried on a personal level about the precedent. I don't think legally they're going to run into much trouble because Disney had no problem buying up everything. So, yeah, I don't think it'll be an issue. But I just, I worry that Xbox, because it knows that Sony can't punch back, we get to a future where it just buys up everything and Sony just kind of can't keep up. I don't want that. I I mean, like, like we always say, competition is great for the consumer, right? So... Uh, Glenn is in the chat saying DJ Hero was awesome. Thank you. I agree. (laughs) Take that, Christian. Sorry, Glenn. Um, yeah. Is any any? Do you guys have any other thoughts about uh, this acquisition before we close out? Uh, It's obviously insane. Can't wait to see where this leads. Like you know, five years from now. I feel you're a wild man. I hope the culture changed so I could play Overwatch 2 when it comes out. So yes. I don't feel guilty about it. <laughs> this, is a, this is a toxic game, too, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, that is one of the positives, I think. Um, I think Microsoft will definitely have a huge impact on the actual, you know, employee workplace. Um, obviously, it's going to take time because yeah. it's not until 2023 that they're taking over, but. Hopefully it'll get better. That's the only bad thing about this whole thing is that Bobby Kotick's still going to be there for another year plus. Ugh. Maybe I mean maybe the the closing window does start uh, June 2022 to July 2023. A lot of people are are using that longest date, but Xbox they might want to try and speed this up as quickly as possible. So mm-hmm. we could be we could potentially be rid of Bobby Kotick. Uh, you know, in eight months' time, which would I think a lot of us would be very excited for. <laughs> and Man, and like and, and just to to touch on what Christian said earlier at the top of the topic is, it, it's the it's the corporate business world. Like, yeah, it sucks that Bobby Kotick's not being dragged out by his heels, but you do kind of see how, you know, he was there. He made the company a lot of money, so his his you know uh, his uh, what do you call it condition was probably I get to leave on my own terms. At least that's what the public thinks, right? So I, I think that's why they're they're being so vague on their wording and saying that Bobby will continue to run things as normal, blah, blah. But uh, like we all said, it looks like he's gone as soon as the deal comes through and that they'll be reporting directly to Phil. So 
I think that culture change will come. I think it, it, it how long it takes is we'll wait and see, but yeah. I'll, I'll be glad to be rid of him. And hopefully Phil can uh, take some of that money like we were talking about and put it back into the studios and really let them yes. experiment. And, and I saw the I saw the tweet going around about uh, that little stipulation in Bobby Kotick's contract, where uh, if this thing happens, he gets this much money and et cetera, et cetera. Like there was only there was like four scenarios, and only one scenario he made like six figures. The rest he made like millions of dollars from leaving. Unfortunately, that's those contracts how it's they the were pri- written. It's, yeah i mean it's quite literally the price microsoft has to pay i, I don't know yeah. if there's any uh i don't know if there's any trailer park boys uh fans here but there are some pretty great memes going around about uh <laughs> microsoft i'm gonna give you this much money to fuck off that's pretty much what's happening phil's phil's <laughs> giving him uh giving him you know here's here's 200 million dollar payout here's your 150 million million dollar payout whatever it is sayonara see you later and um, as much as it's not what we all want to see, it's the best possible realistic situation that we could get. So yeah. he'll be gone. I think the workers will probably be very happy about that. And um, yeah, I, I, I just hope that the future is bright. I hope that Phil does for these studios what he's done for other studios, which is give them some autonomy, let them create the yeah. games they want to create. And uh, aside from that, uh, the price hike, I think that's coming. I think that's coming this year i think they might i i would be willing to pay five dollars more for the content you're getting i don't think they'll go that high in the first hike i think it'll be a two dollar hike and yeah that's probably the strategy right yeah two dollar hike and then go ahead you want to make a bet on that gauge that it will not increase this year i don't (laughs) i don't (laughs) i got enough faith I don't have enough. Faith. I think by next by next summer you're gonna see a two dollar increase. Well, what's warranted and what they you know obviously they're they're okay with taking hits clearly. So I think I think a price hike is absolutely warranted as of right now. It was warranted a year ago. This service is incredible. But yeah, wh- whether they do it, how long they want to delay, that's up to them. I have no idea. But I think it's coming. I think it's coming. I would bet that it's coming no no later than 2023. I would be comfortable making that bet. Yeah, I wouldn't be comfortable with that, but but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... My, okay, my my last comment here is that shout out. I saw a great tweet on Twitter. Obviously, that's where tweets are, are at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> saying uh, Xbox should acquire. Uh, or sorry, Microsoft should acquire Nelnet next. Exactly. Because Nelnet is there. Uh, uh, they are in charge of uh, serv- uh, student loans. So please, oh, yeah. please acquire them. On that. No, <laughs> that's funny. Pay them off. Thank you again to everyone joining us live on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, as well as podcast services everywhere, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you, Ro. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Gage. I am Daniel, and this has been Podcast PXN, and we are out. Much love, and keep on gaming. Ape Escape, where are you? The lady. (laughs) 